Hey! Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. So, when I reached out to you, mm-hmm. I just assumed from the mutual friends that we have on social media mm-hmm. that you were living in Japan. Oh, yeah. No, no I never even been to Japan. <laughs> okay. So, when, <laughs> when, I, when I sent you a message and asking if you wanted to talk, and you told me that you were from Sweden, mm-hmm. that's even cooler. Because I have done a couple conversations with people from Japan. I've talked to somebody Mm -hmm. from Scotland. I have a friend that lives in Sweden, but her, she's not very comfortable with her English. So she didn't really want to do, she thought she might struggle doing Mm -hmm. a podcast. She lives in a mall. Do you know? Oh yeah. You familiar? How do you say it? Omol. Okay. Okay. I didn't really pronounce it's, that. It, right. It's like a it's like a super uh, um, famous Swedish coming of age movie that's called like Fucking Amal, which is basically <laughs> about a couple of like girls coming like going through their like teens in that like small town and how it is to like grow up in like a small town in Sweden. Okay. It's and I remember it's like it was a, like a pretty big deal when I was like fifteen, or like around that time. How old are you now? I'm 34. Okay. I got a couple. I'm 41. I got a couple of years on you. Have you? Yeah, I think I, I think I heard you mentioning that in one podcast because I listened to a few of your episodes. Oh, did you listen to some? Yeah. Okay, cool. Most people are like, oh, no, I didn't never. I didn't bother. I think I heard <laughs> so that's cool. one when you were with a friend of yours and one when you were talking alone. Oh, yeah. Those alone ones are hard to do. But I can really imagine that because I can like you trying to like, oh, what's what's next? What's next? But sometimes it feels like when you're doing it, it like comes kind of natural because you're going to like a process and then just just trying to get it out and rather than to like stay in to just like talk it out. There's there's the magic of being able to go and edit so that yeah. it doesn't sound like <laughs> I sat there staring for 30 seconds thinking about what to say. It, it sounds a lot smoother than it is. What uh? So, what city do you live in? Uh, I live in Stockholm, uh, the capital. Okay, that's like the main. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody that knows Sweden, that's the first city they think of. I think. Yeah, I come from like about an hour south of Stockholm, so I used to only go like to Stockholm on like the weekends, because Stockholm had all the cool stores and we had nothing. So. (laughs) You're into the horror movies and especially like the the B, like the B horrors. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, and I would say especially like uh, uh, Asian and like Japanese scene because okay. it got like really big in my late twenties. You know, or, or like in my say, in my early oh, wait, yeah, in my early teens, I would say because that was like around two thousand. You know, with like uh, Ringu and everything, and like this huge like Japan boom came. And Sweden being Sweden, we just got it a couple of years kind of later. So right. when I was in like, when I was like around like 17, 18, that was like huge. We have like a bunch of Japanese band coming over and everything. And I just kind of stuck in kind of that niche. But uh, after that, it's been like um, horror movies in general. I try to watch as many as I can from as different cultures, like backgrounds, and try to like 
go through a little bit because I think like horror movies like kind of like yeah it's like a good sense of um, getting to like feel for other cultures what they are afraid of and like you know how they're processing this because I feel like horror movies in general can be very cultural if they want it to be like especially one that is a little more like folklore oriented and stuff like that that's true because what scares you in one environment or one culture i guess would be completely different yeah because i think it's so interesting because if if you if you look at like you know a lot of like american ones and like you know christian ones you have a lot of like you know god influences and like possessions and stuff like that and then when you have uh, like in in japan when christianity is not as big they have other kind of spirits and different kinds of way of seeing it so i think it's really interesting and they have this huge like uh, honor thing and like the because i think the interesting was like uh, a curse coming of somebody just just like being like having a grudge and like all these kind of things i think it was like really really interesting as a type of movie but i think it's really uh, hard nowadays to make something unique because i feel like so much has already been done yeah but i don't think it's That's anything wrong so with true. that either if you just make a solid movie I thought that was really interesting how they did like I think it was the remake of The Grudge when Sam Raimi took over the guy that actually did the original and like okay can you just do your movie but for like an American audience so everybody would kind of get it and he and that was basically it how he like remade The Grudge and I thought that was like a really interesting like kind of take on it without trying to touch or like. Uh, effect that like this outline too much is like okay just do this but have like you know like uh, an american mindset in mind when you're doing it and like focus it like in a little differently and it like should work so you'll if you find a movie that you like you'll go and track down the original yeah and watch that as well so what would you do you know what the main differences were between like Raimi's American version and the original, can you think of some of the uh, stuff that he changed to make it more American? Not really right now. I think in general, it's it's more uh, it's it's explaining itself more. It's not as open for interpretation because <laughs> we're because we're dumber. <laughs> no, no, I don't think yeah. it's because you're dumber. I think it's because like. Uh, it's trying to reach a broader audience and just like, mm. oh, I just need to like over explain everything. And I think that's a like general problem I have with movies in general. That's why I don't like I, origin stories a lot because they tend to like, you know, this cool thing that you were always wondering what the, like the mystery behind this thing. Oh, we're just going to uh, explain it for 20 minutes. And it's like, you completely ruined this. Why did you have to go and do this for no apparent a lot reason? Of, you play video games at all? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I yeah. actually test so, video games for a living. No shit. Yeah. Do you... Okay, let's hold on. Let's hold on to that for a second. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> when you were talking about the dumbing down of... Well, you didn't say dumbing down. I said dumbing down <laughs> of the Japanese movies coming and being, you know, made more American. They do that same shit with their games. Mm-hmm. They'll completely redesign and rewrite their games to make them more understandable or easier. Like back in 
like the original Nintendo days with like Mega Man. Like they actually made the American version of Mega Man easier than the Japanese version. Like, oh, like, like they can't they can't handle it. Like we got to change it for the Americans. <laughs> yeah, they have to grow, grow up with like the arcade in your veins to have the patience to do it. I don't have the patience anymore. <laughs> I used to as a, like when I was younger, I used to have like this huge patience, like dying over and over again. I, I don't care. And now it's like if I die twice, it's like fuck this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have time to be like have that kind of patience anymore with stuff, especially when I, you know, get home in like the evening and just want to like relax and play something. And I te- still tend to like buy the, the most difficult games anyway. It's like, oh, but I still want challenge. So it can't be did, too easy. Did you pick up Elden Ring? Uh, yeah, I'm about 20 hours into it. Okay. Yeah. Are you liking it? I'm really loving it so far. Like, yeah. I think it's a really... Uh, and now I'm going to be like a little pretentious and say, is this enough? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, that's been my argument with it too. Almost that it's, it's almost too easy. Yeah. It's too accessible, everything. And it's too easy to just like, kind of like over level your character. I feel a little bit when just kind of like goofing around. Cause I really love like exploring in games. Like I can spend like, hours and hours just like looking through nooks and crannies finding all the good stuff and like whatever i need to do because i kind of feel it's like some some sort of like sending exploring uh so yeah. i was just spending way too much time and then it's like oh boss guy and then it's like oh wait i like almost killed him and like oh i killed him in my first go and it's like i don't feel like this is how it's supposed to be because <laughs> i just had too much shit I, so it's weird because it's been by far like already within was it been a month since it came out mm. their biggest their biggest selling game they've ever done and like what you just said they made it simpler they made it easier they made it more accessible and now it's selling like crazy yeah so yeah i can really i can they, really they kind of did that. like you know i it is pretentious but like it does kind of suck like I liked being the dude that was like, yeah, I'm going to play this game. It doesn't matter that it's that I like that. It's this hard because it gives me something to like feel like a sense of accomplishment. Yeah. Like lots of my friends gave up on it. It was, it's too hard. It was too hard. Not that I'm better at it than them, but I just had like more patience or more dedication to sit there and play through it. it made me feel it's so lame. Like it made me feel good about myself. And yeah, now yeah. It's like, and like I, they made an easier version of it, and now suddenly everybody's everybody's on board. Now it's it's the yeah. best game ever. It's like, well, the other ones were just as good, if not, if not better, in some ways. So, but yeah, I I, really, I haven't stopped playing it either. So, uh, what's your favorite from soft game? Man, you're gonna hate me. Dark Souls 2 is my favorite. That was actually my first. Me too. Me too. Uh, so and I, I think actually, that's why. So I actually like it compared to what everybody's usually saying. Like, oh, this is completely second. Like, no, it has like a special place in my heart somewhere. So I would say my my favorite of all them all has been like Bloodborne. That was the one that I like yeah. finished the most times. I could literally just play that for like uh, casual relaxation everywhere anywhere is it uh, 
Is it because it hits that kind of horror thing that you're into a little bit more? Uh, and is it also the atmosphere it, uh, of it that makes you like it. I think that and the extremely aggressive combat because I play extremely aggressive when I play and it has the rewarding mechanic of being like aggressive constantly as long as you're not being kind of hit so that really kind of vibed with me so I really like that and then like Dark Souls 3 that's coming after when it the flow kind of feel very like the same so I just played those back so I, um, I played those back to back when they were released and I was like oh this is exactly what I want and then I don't think Sekiro yeah. was not it. <laughs> nah, I, I didn't. That's the only one of their, you know, their newer games that I didn't finish. That shit was that's intense, that's fucking hard as shit. Yeah, yeah. And I never got good at the sword fighting, and it took me, it took me, me two or three days to beat the final boss, and every attempt was like. Th- 45 minutes and i had this like shaking <laughs> adrenaline after i finished it and my uh, my my joystick on the controller was all like lopsided afterwards <laughs> and i was like oh, battle damage but it was worth it <laughs> but i was literally shaking after i killed that boss and i was like i'm never booting this game again and then I came back to work and my like my, my friend was sitting next to me is like in the office I was like oh i bit it three times and i was like Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I have a friend that did uh, like he 100% the uh, achievements. So he, everything, I think he's beat it like four or five times. And but you said that you, you test games, mm-hmm. but then you said you go into the office. Mm-hmm. So do you work for a, the company's outsourced to you to independently test, or do you work for a specific developer? Uh, no, I always worked as a like in-house QA for studios in Sweden. Yeah, so I worked for three major ones. Can you can you say who they are or is not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I work for uh, okay uh, Avalanche right now. Uh, okay, and I, uh, prior to this, I was working for Machine Games. Uh, and prior to uh, and prior to that, I worked on uh, Starbreeze for a long time. What a, what a Starbreeze made? I don't recognize that one. Uh, Payday Two was a huge one that we worked oh, on. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I worked those machine in... games, the the Wolfenstein games. I could never really yes get into. Mm-hmm. I worked on the latest one they released, Wolfenstein Youngblood. Wasn't that like their worst received one? Uh, I think so, because it was like co-op yeah. and stuff. <laughs> so I, I entered when there was like two two months left of development or something on it. How did you get into that? Is that a job you just apply for? Just like working at McDonald's? You just send an <laughs> app and they bring I, you on? And then, you, and then it's like, I played video games for a really fucking long time. So I know this <laughs> shit. Uh, actually, it was... Uh, so I used to work at Scania um, to like develop uh, like um, manufacture parts for truck engines, uh, and then I was like hitting my tw- I was like twenty or twenty one, and I was like, okay, am I going to do this for like forty five more years? And I was like, because I met like I had like coworkers that was like you know like close to fifty and stuff, and I was like, and I was like. Oh, kind of soul crushing after a while i was like no but what the fuck am i supposed to do so my girlfriend at the time she was applying for like 
some economics thing and she was going to do like this like high school or like this like um, college kind of exam thing that you can do here to apply for like uh, college and stuff and uh, she was like oh, but come and come and like do the exam with me and i was like yeah yeah sure sure uh, and i did it the first time it went kind of shitty and she was like oh i can help you like improve your result and then after that they kind of doubled my result and i was like okay that's like what can i apply for and then i found this kind of like, like system engineer slash game design course that was like in northern stockholm and i just applied uh, i got in and i was like oh this could probably be a breeze and then the first couple of courses was like super easy game design chit chatter and i was like oh my god i'm just gonna fly through this and then comes like the system architecture stuff like for a year and i was like oh my fucking god i'm i'm never gonna make yeah, this totally different and then i found like an a like extra job on the side as testing uh, slot machines for like uh, those to make you know the digital like uh, casino slots right right uh so and then i was like mm, testing could be fun i'm gonna just be like playing video games all day that sounds really nice uh, and then basically I went off that and like trying to like apply, but my first job was actually testing, uh, gaming software for an eye tracking company. So they have this like oh. analysis, uh, an analysis tool for pro gamers. And then after I did that for like a year, I think I was like, no, I have to like get like a real like into like a real gaming studio because then i was like okay i have the qa experience and i have like you know my my gaming like degree so i was like i'll just get into something and then i got into basically starbreeze after that what are you if you can say what are you testing now i can't Avalanche. say i can't say <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> i can't even say what i did at my previous job because i had signed the papers like oh you can't talk about this for five years i was like okay sorry <laughs> yeah what's what's the last game that they put out that you worked on at avalanche or uh, did you just start there uh, i just been here a year so the last name that bears my name is the new quake it's like a reissue of Quake. Does it burn you out to play games for work and then go home and play games for fun? Uh, no, because I tend to not test the type of games I play at home. <laughs> uh, and that's okay. most, mostly okay. because uh, I have kind of a hard time finding kind of a studio that does these kind of games I play at home. Because I tend to play either these like, you know, like Souls-like kind of games or I play horror games. And horror games is often made by like super tiny studios and stuff like this. So it's not like steady jobs. And since I had kids, What's I your always... favorite? Sorry? What's your favorite horror game? Uh, new or old? Yeah, just like your top. Uh, my top, top would probably be like uh, Resident Evil series still going strong. I always pick it up when it comes a new one. I played like, I finished Village like five times or something when it came out like the first week <laughs> every time it's like to say i'm just gonna take my time with this and then like full on through uh and then i would say um, like silent hill series um i really like dino crisis growing up um 
see what we have. Did you play Deadly Premonition? Oh yeah, I really like that. It's such a goofy yeah, game. Yeah, did you, you like so it? So much okay. fun. But I haven't played the new one. So weird. What uh how old are the how old are your kids? Uh they're six and seven. What's your stance on them being introduced to the gory horror shit that you watch? Uh like my youngest doesn't ge- doesn't really care. But uh, my my oldest uh, is a huge fan, and I tried, he he told me a couple of, like a couple of months ago how to kill a zombie and stuff, and I was so proud. So <laughs> 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 he's really into Minecraft as well. So it's like casually introducing, you know, like creepy shit. So it's like, oh, it's cool. And he's been with me playing like Resident Evil and stuff like that. So it's like fun. okay, you don't feel like there's any reason to keep them away from it like if you're watching some fucked up shit on tv you don't make them leave the room or no. go to bed or anything. Uh, i tend to not watch specifically movies uh games i don't really care and uh, um my oldest tend to say if he thinks it's scary and then i respect it and turn it off and we play something else but as i think l- if you as long raise as I your have, kids around that yeah go ahead i i, I tend in the games uh he doesn't f- like games when you're kind of being chased like it's you know high stress like he doesn't like that but if i if i have a gun and can defend myself and he doesn't feel like i'm constantly kind of threatened then he thinks it's kind of cool so uh he uh, like i played resident evil and the third person once like the remake of two and three he liked better than first person like the um, village for example because it's more in your face and then he's, he gets yeah. like, yeah, a little too much. I played seven mm-hmm. up until your girlfriend spider crawls up the stairs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, I'm, I'm done with this. <laughs> That's when the fun starts. So I don't even want to get involved. <laughs> I know it was only like 10 minutes into the game, but I don't, I don't have an issue with uh, scary stuff when it starts to get supernatural, Mm -hmm. but when it's, when it's creepy shit that could actually, you know, possibly happen. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't deal too well with that shit. So just the intro scene where you're walking through the house and the way that they, they're watching your camera movement so that if they see you looking at the doorway, it triggers Mm -hmm. like a dude to walk through the doorway and like that kind of shit immediately puts me in that scenario in my head so that four hours later when I'm not playing and I come home and my house is dark, I'm like, I better not see some fucking dude like walk through this doorway and I can't get that out of my head. And it's not a, it's not like a fear that I'm going to be attacked or that I'm going to die. It's just a fear of like, not knowing yeah the the possibilities of what can happen yeah that's the worst like i i live i live in like an apartment and they have like this really heavy security everything and every time i hear a noise that's like off-putting it instantly triggers something like ptsd in my head (laughs) and i can like sit and watch whatever on tv and like i I watch like with headphones sometimes and whatever it's it's fine like whatever but if i hear it in a like an environment that's not in front of the tv i instantly get skittish like oh it's something it's something (laughs) and like uh, so you live in a house on uh, on ground floor 
I yeah. could never do that. Like I would be way too scared <laughs> anything coming in anywhere forever. <laughs> I would put I would be the neighbor you would see with like the bars on the windows <laughs> and like everything. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> do you think that you have that paranoia because of the shit that you're into? I think it's because I have it in my mind that something could potentially happen. Uh, I think that's the thing, like because I think that thing and like I'm afraid of what if anything re- like even remotely related to what I'm actually watching would happen to me. What would I do? Like I would freak the fuck out instantly. Like the first thing I That's saw awesome. when I moved, got into my new apartment was like I I can jump out one of my windows because my building is higher than the next to it. And I was like, oh good, that's an escape route in case of zombie apocalypse. I got this. It's fine. <laughs> you gotta have a way out. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, always like, and it, and it was like I think it was like last week I had like a mattress that fell over in my storage cupboard, and I was like. Yeah, in my bedroom alone pitch back and I used to hear like thump and I was like uh, yes. I'm not gonna watch go check it out and all, and all I do is like lock the closet <laughs> and go to bed <laughs> and then in the morning like oh it's just a mattress <laughs> yeah if you if you don't investigate it there's less fear of something gonna yeah happen. so like I'll do the same like if I think that I see something I just okay like Maybe I did, maybe I didn't, but I'm not. I'm not gonna go find out. Like, no. you know, if it comes to me, I'll worry about it then. Yeah, yeah. What's your? So you also really like the cheesy mm-hmm. horror shit, like the Toxic Avenger, yeah, 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 franchise and all that shit. How do you feel about Guar? Mm, I haven't watched, uh, like, listened to a lot of Guar, but and he and before he passed away, I don't remember his name, the singer. Uh, yeah, David. Yeah, Rocky. he was like an. I know he was an extra in one like a TV show that I used to watch. It was called like Holliston, which I thought was like hilarious. <laughs> uh, Back in the late '90s, early 2000s, there was some crossover between Guar and Troma, mm-hmm. where I think it was like the prop dudes for Guar were helping make props for the Troma films. Oh, and yeah a lot of the dudes from the band, you know, out of costume were doing little small cameos and stuff Mm -hmm. in the trauma films. Trauma kind of lost it going from eighties and then like to the nineties, it got like worse and worse. They got cheesier and kind of sloppier. And the quality. You're not a huge. No, like I really like the first toxic Avenger. Like that one is just like, pure gold for like and i also think a lot of the movies is very like product of its time that's why i think it's hard to make some sort of that kind of movies now because you have to have the mindset of how it was then otherwise the shit ain't gonna work because it's just gonna feel like uh, completely like off or weird especially to people that is like older and like know how it actually was then and what they're trying to mimic and then it just feels off it's like how I feel about watching like Stranger Things, for example. And you have all these kids trying to pretend it's like 80s and you go like, no. <laughs> and it feels like they're just that, like, goofy, like, yeah, it just feels so wrong somehow. I heard when they were making the newer 
those two newer X-Files movies that the biggest issue that they had was trying to find a way to not incorporate cell phones because the X-Files only worked in the nineties because like they didn't really have phones where they could just call each other. Mm -hmm. And so many of these crises or, you know, Mulder would all, I'm sure I'm just assuming you're an X-Files fan. Oh, I haven't Are watched X Files in forever. Really, really? Yeah, I used to watch it a little bit growing grow, growing up. Uh, I have a few episodes. Of... He would always find real supernatural shit, but then by the time that everybody caught up to him, the crazy supernatural shit was gone, mm. and he would never have proof of it. But like nowadays, he would just take out his phone and. Like film it. Yeah, exactly. And so when they were making the new movies, they were like, how do we address this shit? Uh, Kind of the same thing. Like it lost that charm that it used to have. Mm -hmm. And they would find ways around it. Like, I think there's like a scene where he breaks his phone or there's a scene where he doesn't have service or he's out of battery. And I was like, eh. Like, you're really going out of your way now to to make sure that we know that he doesn't have his phone, you know? Because that was kind of like the point of it. Also, that's why he kept believing because he like encountered something and then he was just standing there like, but it was right there. And everybody was like, yeah, sure, it was. Man. Sure. <laughs> right. Exactly. They look like an idiot to these people. So there's two different music scenes that mm-hmm. I'm aware of that came from Sweden. I'm not really into the Swedish death metal thing. I was when I was younger, but I loved the Scandinavian black metal shit. Were you old enough at the time to remember that shit going on? And are you a fan of that type of music at all? I don't think, uh, let's see. I had a friend, his brother, that was a couple of years older than us was like super into black metal and that was basically my first introduction to black metal in general and i just remember he had the like a finnish flag turned so it looked like an upside down cross on the wall and everything and then he he was like the coolest guy ever so we i just thought it was everything was like really funny and everybody was like oh he's such a satan worshiper and everything and i was like oh my god you guys are stupid and then i just remember like I just remember we had this store when you could like pick up uh, like band t-shirt and all this kind of merch. And they had this uh, huge t-shirt that's like on the front, it says like open the moonlight gate or something. And then it was a huge like upside down cross on the back. <laughs> I was just wearing that to school and people were like, oh, and I was like, oh yeah, whatever. <laughs> but uh, not a huge fan of it per se. Um I think my first introduction to like any sort of alternative music was like the grunge scene. And then I kind of started working my way backwards to like uh, hardcore punk. You know, been very into uh, a punk, uh, punk, uh, like basically all my life. Okay. So that's more your style. Mm. Is there a certain time frame that you listen to or is it just dependent more on the individual bands? It's. I think I would say it's more dependent on individual bands, but since I've gotten older, it's gotten a little bit um, 80s, I would say. Uh, a little more like um, 
British scene, especially. Yeah. Uh, but I've always been into like the Cramps and stuff, uh, like uh, like Misfits. I can listen to any day. So, especially the one with um, like that that's still with dancing. You didn't like uh, Graves. Uh, I didn't mind Graves, but it was not the same. Like Damn. the night. 90s punk scene was a little too like happy uh, f- family friendly for yeah. me <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> probably not if you read a lot of the lyrics but in general it was a little too like happy for me so i just love it like in generally i just love my and en- like my music with a lot of like energy and like pretty raw yeah and that i feel like the 90s lost the the edge and there was mm-hmm. something to be said about knowing that these dudes just recorded this like in their garage with whatever gear they could find always gave me the feeling that they're really into this just because they're into the music. And then when you started mm-hmm, getting definitely. that really overproduced mid to late nineties stuff, it was like, eh, like it, it just lost that kind of like, I don't know the honesty or the integrity behind it. It got kind of boring. I- I think this is what basically happened to any type of art scene. Yeah, true, like true. it happened to music, it happened to film, and it's starting to happen, or it's already happened to like video games. It's the same kind of thing when it becomes more about making money rather than you know the actual art. And then when everything gets like some sort of blueprint, how are people expecting it to be? How should it be? Because everybody's supposed to understand it, yeah. not because like oh like. We uh, we just want to play our music, and this is how we think it should sound. Or it's like, oh, we have to play it this way because other people, uh, other otherwise people won't get it. That's like the I think the difference. Like uh, it's the same now when like working. I've been working in video games for so long. That's always going to be my go-to. But it's like, okay, we have to do, design a uh, like a certain part of give games for a certain way because most people want to get it because you want to sell it to most people. Like right. you're obviously not going to sell it to everybody, but you want to hit like most people. So you have to have like the obvious kind of designs kind of weaved into it, depending on which genre you're going for. Elden Ring is from Soft's pop punk album. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> like, and th- that is really funny because like, I remember, I think it was in September last year, I played the Demon Souls remake so good that still has the all the old designs like uh, then just like the fancy new cover and i just thought thought that was such a like interesting way of being everything because like instantly you're going back in time design wise because nothing is that you expected to be because it's all this they kept all this like all the science and that says everything just looks prettier that's it (laughs) and i thought that was really really interesting my connection to sweden norway is the black metal scene mm-hmm. and the way that it's kind of shown or portrayed to me in America is that that shit is massive there. Would you say uh, that would... you leave your house and you run into people wearing, you know, black metal t-shirts and spikes up and down their arms or is it not still anymore. pretty rare? Oh, oh uh, okay. Not anymore. Like f- 15 years ago, maybe. 15, 15 years ago. 15, Basically, I, rem- I okay. remember coming into like the alternative scene with like music and studs and everything. And then everything used to look so extremely like 
uh, DIY and you see a lot of stuff, people with a lot of like heavy jackets with a lot of studs and spikes and right, right. everything. And it's gotten so kind of mainstreamed and washed out now. That's not the same anymore. But I would say that, uh, you know, like, I would say that metal in general is pretty popular. Like, in especially if you go in uh, like uh, older and like more like famous kind of bands, you can always find it. Like, I remember especially when I was working in like um, uh, at Scania, was like the you know and uh, like um, a lot of like you know uh, in industrial jobs and like stuff like that. It was always like metal blasting somewhere, and it was always something that was kind of around. But I feel like that has kind of like gotten like washed out and disappeared a little bit. Yeah, it's it's absolutely happened here. If you even say the term like, oh, I listen to metal. People assume that you mean. Like Avenged Sevenfold. (laughs) You know, Metallica. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, everybody listens to Metallica, but no, that's not really what I I mean, but. Then I'm gonna be that guy. I don't like Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> Even their first few albums, you could definitely hear that '80s punk influence in it. That doesn't do it for you either. No, I think it's because I always was like a Megadeth fan growing up. So, <laughs> <laughs> it was, and also I was really a heavy Napster user at the time, so that didn't help. <laughs> you felt attacked. So no, I, it's something about like their like image to be have. I think it's also be- because I think it's because like when basically after Sank Sanct Anger was released, oh. they always seemed like so extremely like pretentious and like so stupid. Yeah. And I was like, like, and I just remember people in my class was like, "Oh, this is so cool!" And I was like, "Dude, this is so lame." <laughs> but so okay, bad. do you can you still listen to Megadeth today? Uh, yeah, I can still listen to Megadeth today. I don't do a whole lot. Can you listen to new Megadeth? Or do you have to go back and listen to their older stuff? I always have to go back. And I always have to go <laughs> okay. back to everything. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't know who's buying it anymore. I don't know how these bands survive. Me neither. Like I was like, and you go look at like band picks now. They look exactly the same like they did 20 years ago. <laughs> Just a little yeah. wider. And you're like, no, it's the same. <laughs> they might still be finding ways. Like, I think they're losing fans as their fans get older. But then I think they're finding new fans that are 15, 16, 17. And then those yeah, fans yeah. turn 20 and they give up. But then there's a new batch of 15, 16, 17 year olds. So I always want to talk to people from other countries. Have you lived in Sweden your entire life? Yes, I lived in Sweden. Okay. Have you visited visited, any other countries? I have visited like a bunch of countries in Europe. Like I've been to like uh, UK a couple of times. I've been to France. I've been to Germany. I've been to Czech and I've been to China because I used to have a girlfriend that her mom was from shanghai and her dad worked in shanghai so i've been in shanghai a few times and when we were in shanghai we were like a quick stroll over to vietnam at the time how long ago 
what like what's the most recent time you were in China? What year was it? When they had the yearly when they had this like world exhibition thing. Ten years ago maybe. Oh, okay. So not well, super did you recent. enjoy it? And then, oh I've been was in it... Por- uh, Portugal, uh, because my, my ex wife's from Portugal. Did you have a good experience in China? I had a great experience. I was okay. living like a king. I had, I felt like I was like the wealthiest man alive, and like everything was basically free. So I was like, oh, that's <laughs> complaining. No, but seriously, like I, I had a like great time because basically, they had this like uh, apartment that was paid for by her dad's company, and we had like a driver and what, what all this kind of jazz. And I was like, basically, like, oh, you just can spend your money at whatever. And since everything was like cheap, it's like oh, I can do whatever. So it was a, like and you a had really a personal cool. driver that would just take you where you wanted to go. Uh, yeah, so we went, went oh, to like an, cool. an area and just walk around that area. And uh, I remember we went to all of these kind of malls that basically looks like. Um, market slash malls thing there was like really small stores in them and it was like packed with stuff and they were always chasing me around with like the uh, like one sentence saying a bag watches dvd what a buy and like literally <laughs> they were pestering me every time and i don't they know even that the, you got money right yeah, and I was like, I'm starting to regret this now <laughs> every time. I started to pull down my cap, like, lower and lower <laughs> each time I was entering. What a... so, uh, but otherwise, I had, like, a really good experience. It was really, like, fun and really good, uh, like, food experience. Like, the food was amazing. That's what I, that's what I was going to ask. What was, the, what was the one thing you ate that still stands out, like, 10 years later? They had these dumplings that we used to eat for breakfast. They were like really big with like meat inside. I don't know. They were probably called something else, but they were so delicious. And I remember they cost, they cost like maybe, let's see, like one and a half dollars for like 12. And they were really big, like <laughs> juicy ones. And they were so good. Yeah. And I was like, that was my breakfast. And they were so good. Did you have any issues getting sick with anything that you ate? Uh, no, nothing. Uh, and great, we, great. so basically they had this thing when you were ordering food, you always ordered, uh, a lot of dishes that you would kind of like share and you had this like turntable in the middle. So you just picked a little. And I used to remember when we were at this like big kind of like, um, uh, restaurants with her uh, family and stuff. And they would always buy a lot of food. So I could just try so much stuff. And there was like two things that I didn't try. One was chicken feet because chicken feet. <laughs> <laughs> and the other was a stew made of a turkey neck. And I didn't try that because the inside of a turkey neck is not pretty. <laughs> uh, but there, and then I, cause I, I remember I had, the, and we were in one restaurant that served dog, but I never ate dog. I've seen the videos of people cooking those chicken feet on mm-hmm. the street. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a, a massive bowl just full of like fried feet but people oh, say these were not great. even fried these were actually just oh. cooked so you could feet? see what it was <laughs> which is like okay. no okay and then and then because first it came out like a bowl that looked like you know a miso soup kind of thing 
and it was like a soup. And I was like, I, I like took a sip and like, this was, this was not too bad. And I remember my ex was telling me like, that, that's the broth of the cooking the chicken feet. I was like, how about no? Next. <laughs> Do you have any Swedish food that would be weird to someone visiting Sweden? Uh, I guess we have a lot of like intestine based food, like liver stuff. Mm. And then we have like the, the pig's feet that we have on like during Christmas and stuff like that. But it's like my grandfather eats it. I don't. Um, but we have <laughs> like a liver feet. pate that I really like. Uh, uh, pate, yeah. That I really like. Uh, that's really common. And then we have the the caviar that we have. That's like, it, it's basically like a mix between actual like fish eggs and like mayonnaise kind of thing. It's very salty. And that's like really good. And it's usually something, the first time you eat, you eat it because the it's quite like strong in flavor. You're going to go like, oh, what the fuck is this? But it's not too bad. <laughs> you, uh, we're kind of weak, weak on like taste. Otherwise, it's not too bad. And then we have a lot of like yeah, pickled herring and stuff like that, which is really, really common. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of seafood. Yeah, especially fish, I would say, is like our biggest one. But uh, I don't say I wouldn't say we have anything that's really like oh my god no. When I was in Austria, the, mm. one of the guys I was eating with ordered like a gelatinous cube, and it was intestines mixed with coagulated blood into almost like a like a jello paste. Like it was a solid form, but you could poke it and it was like soft to the touch. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't like mashed potatoes where you would poke it and it would indent. You would poke it, but then it would just come right back to the previous form. Oh, okay. Okay. I understand. Because we have one thing and it's called the, uh, blood pudding. And it's basically just flour and blood mixed together. And it looks like almost like a, a piece of bread. When you would like look at it, but it's looked a little <laughs> yeah, more moist, but dark. And if you just cut it, it almost acts like a piece of bread. And then you cut it in pieces, and then you're supposed to fry it and eat it with bacon and like lingonberry jam. Uh, and it's not okay, super common had... anymore, but it's really like cheap food. Like if you need cheap food, that's cheap food. It sounds pretty similar. I think that there were like ground up intestines mm. in it and or maybe just random organs yeah you know, not specifically intestines but yeah like left it left definitely had that consistency right and the lingonberry stuff was served with it but it wasn't fried i mean it was just straight like like hard pudding because i had to try some of it and it was it good it's probably the second worst no it's the second worst <laughs> thing i ever ate <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't Second sound words. too delicious <laughs> and like the blood pudding it's basically a thing we were served at school and ever since I've been like an adult I never purchased a sinking <laughs> piece because <laughs> like no I'm not eating that again where did you learn English? is that uh, taught at school? Uh, I think I'm mostly self-taught through uh, my interest like video games and movies and 
I think I like reading specifically from video games since I played uh, like a lot in the PlayStation One era. But since I started working in the gaming industry, I had to basically speak English on like a daily basis because, like I would say, the majority of my colleagues are not Swedish. Even, but you're working with them in person, face to face, not mm-hmm. over calls. So when you go to yeah. work in Sweden, you're you're basically speaking English. Yeah. No shit. And it's, it's very uh, it's very from studio to studio as well. Like in this studio, it's very mixed. In the previous one, it was still very Swedish. So most of the time, I was and I felt that was a little almost. Uh, weird because i had to go from speaking a lot of english to a lot of swedish and then ramp up my english again and i was like i'm getting rusty this feels off (laughs) uh so yeah yeah but now i just like on a regular basis i just always speak english and every time a person even if i speak in swedish to somebody every time a person enters or i see a person enter that i know doesn't speak um uh, Swedish, I just switch to we just switch to English in the conversation, even if they're not in the conversations, because everybody should always be feel like they can jump in into a conversation at any point. Is there anybody that you work with that can't speak English? Uh, no, I think that's actually a requirement. Oh, okay. If you go, I think there's there maybe some that doesn't do it as well, maybe. Yeah, your English is really good. I wouldn't, you know, aside from your accent, I wouldn't think that there that you weren't a non-native English speaker. You almost just sound like your parents moved to America from Sweden, so you have an accent, but you were raised speaking English. There hasn't been a single word that I've used that you've been like, I don't know, I don't know what that means. And your vocabulary isn't limited to just using specific English words. Like you're able to fully like vocalize in English. If you could learn one then, which one would you pick? Oh, I've been, Kat has been trying to help me learn Japanese and it goes really well until I, until we stop doing it. And the, the instant that like three or four days go by that I don't, try to read something or write something, I forget all of it. Like all of it just disappears. And it's basically, I would say like elementary school level sentences. And even that, like a week later, it's like, oh shit. Like I, I've forgotten all of this. You almost have to, or at least for me, like I have to force myself to, to use it and speak it, or I just forget it. Yeah, I try to do Japanese as well, but it's, it's like you say, you need somebody to speak it continuously too. Because uh, I, when I used to commute uh, from Stockholm to uh, Uppsala, um, the previous studio I worked at, I was in Uppsala. It's about an hour like commute time. Then I used to do the what is it called like the Duolingo app when you can like right. pick up and that was pretty decent for some Japanese that I picked up. And then when I got home, it's like, I tried to watch a couple of movies without subtitles, maybe that I have seen before or stuff like that. And it was like, I could work out what the movie was about anyway, 
but when they got really heavy on conversation, you were going like, "This is just <laughs> then, then, then it's just going to turn either frustrating or boring really fast because like you're going to see like you're going to feel like you're losing interest so fast because you don't understand what they're saying." I thought that Duolingo was great for sounding out like the hiragana or the katakana. Mm. And it was great for vocabulary, but it was total shit for make a sentence. But it's, it's surprising when I was in Germany and when I was in Austria, I just spoke English like I was in America and there was not a single person that didn't know how to respond to me. Everyone like if I was ordering food or asking for directions or just saying hello to somebody, everyone spoke English. I think you would have a similar experience here. Uh, I think you could, I think you could go like around Sweden and just speaking English and you would be fine in most of like most of it, maybe some like small shops on the corner and stuff like that. There would be a little, uh, hmm. You would probably have maybe have to speak a little slower or something like that, but you would go around with it. I have a few colleagues like that live here that they don't speak a single word of Swedish, and they've been living here for years. So I mean, like you can get by. It gets worse if you go in, into like, uh, you know, systems. Like say if you have kids, so you need to register them for stuff and go to parent-teacher meetings and all this kind of stuff. Then you're gonna feel it's a little bit more difficult to get into the conversations. Because I know I have uh, had okay. um, colleagues that said like that. It's like, oh, and then the kids come back from school and they speak a little Swedish and you don't even understand what they're saying. It's, it's gonna get this kind of like <laughs> awkward kind of vibe from it. So I guess, but other than that, I think you definitely find like speaking English in Sweden. Are your kids just learning both? Uh, they just was more interested in learning English, so they are bilingual by default. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, and okay. then, so basically, That's we awesome. just like put on all the kids shows, everything in like English. We're like, oh, it's better that they learn English from all of oh, all, no all of this stuff, and because uh, they're going to be forced to learn Swedish in like school, and we speak English uh, or uh, in Swedish in school, and we speak Swedish to them anyway. So, like, that's just going to come naturally. So just this just boost the English a little bit, and then every time they started at a new school or anything, they're like, "Oh, they know so much English," and we're like, "Yeah, we know. <laughs> we told you." <laughs> it's like they don't believe us every time we introduce us. Like, oh, they're like fully bi- bilingual. They speak both Swedish and English, and then like, oh yeah, sure. And then they come in like r- name everything, and then they go like, "Oh, they really are." <laughs> what's the what's the Swedish currency? Krona. Uh, the tattoo that you've got on your hand. Does that run up onto your forearm or is it just like a hand tattoo? Uh, I guess say, oh, you're referring to the, it's a, it's a Cthulhu head. It's very dark here. Man. Okay. So this is, so I'm just curious. Do you remember what you paid for that? Uh, I paid about, let's try to convert it at the same time, about four, $450. Okay. I would say. Yeah, I was curious what what the artists were charging over there compared to what they charge here. Uh, so that, they charge about a hundred, hundred dollars an hour. Is that about what it is? Okay. Yeah, that that's about standard. People, like a thousand krona. 
ish. Now the do- dollars are a little lower these days, but I would say it's about there. People here, artists here, are starting to creep into that hundred and fifty, sometimes two hundred dollars an hour rate, <laughs> and it's That's it hefty. is getting out of control. Yeah, and they're not even. If we're talking about, I'm a world famous artist. You got to book an appointment for 2023 to get in with me. And it's going to be 200 bucks an hour. Like, okay. Like you're one of the best in the world. Maybe I'll save that kind of money, but this is happening with just artists in college towns. Like, and it's, I think that what's happening is artists are seeing what shitty tattoo artists are charging. Oh yeah. So they're like, well, if the shitty artist is charging this much, then I can charge more. But then the next guy sees that guy and he's like, well, I'm better than him. Oh yeah. So I'm going to charge more than he's charging. And because of their egos, they're trying to one up each other. (laughs) (laughs) It's not even worth it anymore. No, like, and I, I also no, fe- I, I, I also feel you're getting less work for the time now than you used to, yep. because like oh, I only work in black and you know got all this shit going on. It's like <laughs> fuck you then. <laughs> I want a real tattoo, not a half done one. <laughs> so yeah, I, I really have this problem because my next big piece I want to do my chest, and then it's like uh, now people are gonna be like, oh, I don't want to do color, I don't want to do this. And like, oh, but I want a big fucking color piece. How hard can it be to get one that does that for a recent price? But you know, and it's like um, um, there's a lot of tattoo shops in Stockholm, a lot, and there's a lot of pretentious ones, a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you can feel the vibe cool. as soon as you enter one. And you're going like, oh, I'm just gonna hate this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so it's not, it doesn't sound all too different from here. No, but I, th- I, I think it's again, you know, what's happened to like the art versus like, because it's gotten yep. popular and people trying to make more money out of it for doing basically. Yeah. I don't know if, if it's like fair to say, but less work, I feel like sometimes, because I feel like a lot of times like, oh, look at my new tattoo. And then my first instinct is like, so when are you going to finish it? <laughs> <laughs> And it feels like, I, don't, I know it's maybe supposed to look like that, but it just looks like it has finished, dude. Come on. Before we go, mm-hmm. we got to talk about your government. <laughs> we got to talk about your, your health care. I love to shit on this country as much as possible when I do these podcasts. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people, especially in the area that I live, that are born and raised in this don't question it be patriotic best country in the world the way it is and the way it has been is the way it should always be you know we won't adapt we won't change 200 years ago we made these rules and that's what this country is and then you go and you travel and you meet people from other places in other places are doing things in better ways that we could learn from, but we refuse to because America is the greatest country in the world. 
I mean, America is when you <laughs> they're just a bunch of people that just like we we we're, we're nicking that. Yeah, that's ours now. Yeah, and then they right, right. Native Americans going, but, but but guys, we've been living here for hundreds of years. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Here's your patch of land. Just, just, just. <laughs> yeah, just take it. <laughs> and then it's like this is the greatest country in the world. It's like, but 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 it's compared to every other country in the planet. It's like it's barely been a country. <laughs> no, I know we're like the newest one, besides, you know, some of those newer, smaller. Like Soviet countries, yeah, and I think it's that's why America is run like a business because it already had like a business model going in. Like, oh, this is how we gotta run it. This is our business model. This is how we go, and I think that's basically the entire problem of it. And I think that's kind of running over over into other countries. So it's getting like everybody is looking at the country that they shouldn't look at instead of you guys looking at other countries that you maybe should be looking at. So. I, they just they just refuse to think that there could be I won't even say better ways, but we could have more options mm-hmm. of ways to handle things. The biggest thing that's been going on here, in my opinion, over the last 10, 15 years is the healthcare thing. Mm-hmm. When you get sick. Or when you had your kids, what's the process for you in terms of, well, I got to go to the doctor. Okay. So let's, uh, let's start with like my experience then as a dad. Uh, first you get instantly like t- two weeks off. Like the first two weeks. As paternity leave. Uh, yeah. It's like, oh, your kid is born here to, to paid for like weeks off. Uh, and then you. Uh, let's see. I think it's, you get like 300 like dad days that I have to take out until they are, I think they're 11 or something like that, that you can like dish out. Dad? Yeah. Dad days? Yeah. It's called dad days. So you just want to go hang out. You just want to go hang out with the kids. Yeah, basically. Uh, so here's. And uh, it's that the, the only rules is like me and the mom can't take them out on the same time and they can't be at school and, you know, stuff like that. So. Uh, uh, so that's basically the rule so the basically is you got i remember you got like an extra chunk of cash if you took it out within the first six months so with my first kid that was off instantly for like three additional months when he was uh just kind of born which was like me as a dad was like super chill because he was just like cooing out and just like oh super chill uh and i I just wish i probably should have taken it later because it would have been more helpful, I think. <laughs> so right. I, I think that was me playing but, Dark Souls or something. But anyway, <laughs> uh, and then but that was just just to be clear. That's mm-hmm. those are all paid days. You got three months off that you were paid. Yes, uh, and I got paid seventy yeah. percent. That's unheard of. Seventy uh, percent. Okay. Okay. Uh, and I can take it. So basically what you do is you get 70% of your pay and you can take out days on the weekends to kind of make up for the 30% loss. So if I take it out like seven okay. uh, for seven days, you kind of make up for it. So I basically got like full three months. And these are, that's paid out by the government, not my employer. So they are not losing any money. Right, right. They are just losing kind of me being there. And Basically, uh, your employer can't turn down parental leave 
if you apply for it with three months in advance, I think. Like if I go to my employer and okay. say, I'm going to be off in three months for like six months, they just have to like, okay, they just can't do anything. <laughs> That's awesome. And like you're that, extremely protected that in that sense. Exist. And I just remember feeling so kind of like, it felt so wrong in the beginning to say like, oh, I just can like take off because of my kids. And everybody's like, oh, cool. Hope they get better. And I was like, everybody's just cool with me. Just ditching out when we are at the most <laughs> stressful thing what we are doing. And it's like, oh, I just like all about your family. And I was like, what the fuck is wrong? With everybody just felt so off. Like just being able to just do that. And after a while, you kind of get used to it, but it feels really like you're kind of just in the beginning. I remember feeling like, oh, I'm just letting everybody down because I'm just ditching everybody. But it's like, oh, it's your family. It's like, oh, yeah, that's true. So I remember having these kind of conflicting feelings in the beginning. Certain portions of days are worth different amounts of money. And I think it's 120. 180 days that's worth 70 and then you have one portion that's worth less and then another portion that's worth even less and so forth but it's basically so you should okay, able so the more you use the less yeah you can choose obviously which ones you want to use and when but basically it's so you can always be there for your kid uh, and then you have the care of sick child that you can take at any time and it's basically the same as me being sick, but I don't have... So when you're sick in Sweden, you get 70% of your pay, but the first day you're sick, you don't get anything. Like the kind of like first sick day. But if I'm care of sick okay. child, you don't get that. Then you just get 70% for the entire uh, time. Uh, and you can do this for two weeks, and then you have to have a doctor's note saying why you're off longer. Holy shit. So you don't even have to have the doctor's note for the initial, like, sick? You don't have to get a doctor's note in, for two weeks? No, I can be off for two weeks. <laughs> and then if I'm going to... You know that if you call into your, your job here and you're sick, the, they don't care if you're actually truly sick. They want you to come to work anyway. That's just... And you get a certain amount of... Like per year, let's say that that you get like ten sick days. So that if you have a nice job, you'll get ten sick days a year, and they'll pay you for those days that you're sick. But past ten days, generally people just feel like, well, I don't have any sick days left. I have to go to work. But if you don't go to work, you just don't get paid whether you have a doctor's note or not. So it forces people to go to work sick because they have to, you know, they have bills to pay. That's just, insane. that's not even getting into people here because let's say that you don't get provided medical insurance for your job. And the way that it's set up here is that your place of employment is generally who provides your medical insurance. It's not always through the, it's, it's rarely through the government. So 
your employer isn't really wanting to spend that money on you. So they've made this set of prerequisites of what kind of employee will qualify for insurance or not. So there's like this line that the government set that I believe is somewhere like 28 or 30 hours a week. So if you don't work more than that 28 hours a week, your employer doesn't have to provide you with insurance. So what employers did is they just stopped scheduling people to work over that amount of time. So they cut everyone's hours back to work less so that they don't have to give them insurance. So now this person doesn't have insurance, but work is saying, Hey, if you're sick, like we need a doctor's note, but because this person doesn't have insurance, they can't afford to go to the doctor because the doctor is going to charge you a hundred dollars for the visit to give you a note that says that you're sick. It's going to cost you money out of your pocket that you're also not making back because you're not at work because you're sick. That's insane. And yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's fucking insane. So in Sweden, you can only pay about $150 for doctor's appointment a year. After that, you get the free card and you can go as many times as you want. From, so you max out. Yeah. The government won't let you spend more than 150 bucks. Yeah. So basically, a year. so basically, if I go like today, and then I have, let's see, and then I go uh, enough time. So say I maxed out my 150 dollars, say in like two months, then I would have 10 months of free card because it's counting from the first visit then that I did, that the free card goes to. And then it you have it starts all over again, and it's the same with the medication as well. That's like yeah, prescription medication. Does, it's a different does amount. Does that count uh, as well as if you need? Let's say that you need some sort of surgery. Is is that along those same lines, where you've already paid your hundred and fifty dollars? Uh, I think that's different, but I think you only pay for a little bit for like basically like the bed and the food a little bit. Like it's ju- basically just like close to nothing. Like you don't actually pay for the actual actual ch- surgery. You just paid for like your your spot basically. Like oh, like clean sheets and like a meal. That's it. Let's say that you're out walking down the street and you, you pass out and they send the ambulance to come pick you up and they drive you to the hospital. What is that? Is that going to be free for you? That, that ride? Uh, I think you get uh, like a time. Um, so if it's an emergency, I don't know, actually, I think it's free. And then if you like get stuck in the hospital for say one night, you get like a small fee. So basically when I say you get a fee, it's like close to nothing kind of fee. Um, just kind of like okay. a symbolic kind of thing. Like, oh, I paid something for this. I don't, don't want to even want to know what the actual cost is for it. <laughs> so it's basically right. like a symbolic if, cost. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So if you 
if if I go out tonight and someone shoots me and the police have to come and the ambulance has to come, even though I got shot, I have to pay for that ambulance ride to the hospital. That's and it costs thousands of dollars. Oh, that's fucking insane. So about, I think it was about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, I had a four wheeler accident and I broke my neck and I was out like, I was out like in, in the mountains on this four wheeler. So I got driven to the closest hospital, which was like this shitty little town. And they were like, we need to get you to a real hospital. We're going to put you on this helicopter and fly you to the closest hospital. That helicopter ride was $40,000. Oh my fucking God. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, 40,000. And I don't want to, I don't want to exaggerate to make it sound worse than it is. I qualified for government assisted healthcare. Mm -hmm. So it ended up that I didn't have to pay any of that, but I only didn't have to pay any of that because I qualified for this specific government program, which most people, if you earn above a certain amount of money, Um, you don't qualify for uh, it. I get it. But it was, uh, Go ahead. So that sounds like also something they're not very like informative about if there is. Because <laughs> I know how governments can well, be. <laughs> so <laughs> I said, I know you're going to charge me some outrageous amount for this helicopter ride. I, ca- I came here to you in a car. I got dr- I got driven here. Can can my friends just drive me to this hospital? It's like an hour drive. And they were like, no, that's not safe. We have to put you in a helicopter. And I was like, well, I don't want to pay for a helicopter. And they said, you have no choice. Like, we're not going to let you leave. You have to get on this helicopter. And it's like, well, like, okay, you got me. Let me use a different example because all of that did get covered for me. But about... 20 years ago, I had to have my gallbladder taken out. And at this point in my life, I didn't qualify for that government assistance. So I had to pay for this completely on my own. So I went to the hospital, to the emergency room, just these crazy pains in my stomach. They were like, oh, your gallbladder is full of stones. It's basically not working. We just need to remove it and you'll be fine. So they removed it. They stitched me up and I went home the next morning. Later that night, I was having the same pains as I was before. So I go back to the hospital and I'm like, hey, you took my gallbladder out, but I I feel just as bad as before. They readmit me. And. I'm there for like nine or ten days. And they keep saying, we don't know what's wrong with you. We don't know what's wrong with you. Eventually, they notice that my entire side is like purple and orange and brown, where I've been like bleeding 
into my body cavity. Oh. And the blood is like pushing my skin out. So they have to get like this tube and stick it in my stomach and drain all this shit out of me. It turns out that they did the surgery wrong and they didn't sew up everything they were supposed to sew up. So the tube leading into my gallbladder was just emptying into my inside. And so they, they admit like we didn't do like someone messed up your stitches or whatever. We found out what the problem is. We fixed it. Now you're going to be fine. They send me home. Everything's cool. I get a bill from the hospital for the entirety of the first visit and the second visit, even though they messed up and they did the surgery wrong. I got a bill for $120,000. It's, it's, it sounds like they did it for that 10 days on purpose just to get more money. They also like, don't they see how bad it kind of looks on the hospital per se? Like, Oh, you, we did this thing. We fucked it up for you and you had to be even longer. And by the way, you have to pay for all of it. Like, hmm. I think that there's so many people in this country. It's such a big country that when shit like that happens, even when people complain or throw a fit or get some social media, like brigade going, it it dies within a couple days and nobody ever thinks about it again. So the hospitals just take the hit, but I couldn't afford to pay that obviously. (laughs) And so I didn't even, I didn't even attempt to ever pay for it. So the government started taking a third of my paycheck every two weeks to pay back my bill at the hospital. So I wasn't even getting the money and then having to pay the bill. They were taking the money out of my paycheck before I even got it to pay back my debt. That's fucking insane. So I had to, I had to get an attorney and I had to file bankruptcy and go through this whole procedure to wipe out that hospital bill, which eventually I did. And I never had to pay any of it. But when I tell certain people in this country, that story and I, and I say, Hey, you know, in other countries, everybody just kind of pays into this giant pot and their country provides healthcare for everybody living there. They say, well, I'm not, I don't want my money to pay for you to go to the hospital. Like, why would I pay for you when you get sick? And it's like, well, you're paying for a lot of shit with your taxes that you don't really know that you're paying. You're not going to end up paying more money out of your taxes for me when I get sick. They just need to reconfigure where this tax money is going. And, you know, it's easy to say in America let's just spend a little less money on the military because we spent some outrageous amount of money on military shit here and people lose their fucking minds. Like how dare we spend less money on the military? If we start spending less money on the military, 
somebody's gonna come you know take us over yeah and it's, like, and no. it's really like that's really your fear <laughs> and it's really funny because it's sweden it feels like every time it's like how can we sp- spend less money on the military how can we spend less money on the military <laughs> and it's like i remember i when i was 19 and they were going to like you know the like uh, what's called like the recruitment thing you're supposed to do and like sign up and do like the boot camp and everything and i just got show up at the office like i don't want to do this and then it's like okay you can go (laughs) (laughs) so they took in at at that is it mandatory is it like a mandatory service it used to be so basically at the time it was like we we get like fifty thousand like uh, guys or like people coming in to do like the the service like every year and they had like 10 10,000 spots and i think five of them was like active spots the rest is like reserve spots so if somebody then comes in and say i don't want a spot they're like thank you bye we don't have to spend time with you <laughs> uh, but it's changed a little bit with the it's- ukraine thing going on now it's starting to shift a little right. bit because right. like i feel like Sweden is in such a state right now that if just Putin would come and put up a, like a flag here, it's like, this is mine now. We would go like, okay, okay, don't fight. Don't, don't hit me, don't hit me. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally the, at that state I we think, are now. So I was like, but um, yeah, I don't know. If he, if he gets all the way to Sweden without America intervening, I will come to Sweden and fight with you. Like I just, I don't imagine. I, I, I'm not that... fighting. I'm taking. I'm taking my shit and leaving. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to Norway. Well, Norway yeah, would be next, true. right? Norway's right next door. That's true. Well, then I go to America. Then. <laughs> no, fuck no. I, I would not oh. be in some sort of stupid, very, <laughs> stupid war. There's no fucking way. Have you visited America before? No. Have you been here? No. Uh, my aunt okay. uh, used, uh, let's see, my my great aunt, so my grandfather's sister used to, used, used to live in New Jersey, but she passed a few years ago. And I never visited. <clears throat> so, no, I've never been to America. I always wanted to go, but I still don't know where. The amount of time that it took me to drive from Germany through Austria was the amount of time that you could visit one state here. Yeah. Because it's so big. When I could go from Tokyo to Yokohama to Kyoto to Osaka, you can do all that in one day, like in terms of travel time. But if you were to do that distance here, you would still be in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's like, well, there's so much, there is a lot of cool shit to see here, but you're talking about Seattle on the far west and then New York on the far east. And then if you want to go to LA or Miami, that's like the four corners of the country mm-hmm. and you can't drive that. So you're talking about four or five different plane tickets. Cause otherwise you're not visiting the United States. You're just visiting Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. Like the time there is like no the tone, time right? to get a feeling for, the country as a whole, because where I grew up, I grew up in this, in South Carolina, which is like one of the first like colony States back when we came and started 
you know, fighting for our independence. Are you aware of the history of the South of America in terms of like its extreme racism and prejudice? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that something that you hear? Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. okay. I think it gets depicted quite, quite, quite well. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> if you were to come here and visit my hometown, you really would leave like, what the fuck? Like, it, it's that bad. And I couldn't be able to convince you otherwise. But if you were to come and go to Seattle, you'd be like, oh, they're very progressive. Like, it would be hard to believe, like, oh, these are the same people from the same country, the same culture, because the country's just too fucking big. Yeah, yeah. And I think, like, that would always be, like, the problem, or, like, always been, like, America's problem in general. It's just too big to be one country. It shouldn't be just one country. I agree. Because it doesn't make sense in, like, in terms of, like, oh, I'm just going to rule all these it's like no you can't because like it's too big it's too much people like it doesn't gonna it's never gonna work and i think that's why that you don't even you don't even live here and you're able to look at it and see that that's the problem but people that have lived here their entire life can't figure that out yeah yeah that a farmer in the middle of kansas doesn't need or want the same shit from his government as the guy that lives in Los Angeles. Exactly. It's it's two completely different worlds trying to live under the same rules. Yeah. but And states are able to make their own laws, but those state laws still have to answer to the, Mm. to the federal laws. What do you have to do if you want to buy a gun? I don't even know. I don't even know I, if I can buy a gun. I, I need a license, first okay. of all. Okay. Uh, even to buy like a hunting rifle or like a, a bow. I, and I wouldn't even know where to, to go for any of this stuff. Okay. Is it heavily regulated? Yeah. Like it, if you it, were? Like extremely to... heavily. I have never even like... I haven't even like seen a, a real gun un- unless it's attached to like you know the hip of a, like a, a police. So, <laughs> so I mean like I have never okay. even seen anything like this. Um, and there's like private private ownership there is is rare. It's extremely rare. It, it's rare for someone to own a gun. Yeah. Okay. I had a I had a coworker at my previous studio who was a collector because he liked guns and it was also part of his job at the studio. You know, like yeah. Uh, making guns for games so art design yeah. or whatever yeah yeah uh, so he okay so, and he always used to go and like shoot practice and stuff like that and i think so i think to own a gun in sweden you have to be uh, part of like uh, a member of like a, a a club like a shooting club and then you have to have a license for that and then you have to have a license basically for every gun you own and i think it's the caliber as well and stuff like this do you ever feel in danger anywhere that you go are there shitty parts of town that you have to avoid or places that you know, like, don't go there, don't go there? Or do you feel relatively safe? I guess, like, I wouldn't go on certain places after bars close. Uh, that's about it. Uh, uh, I don't drink anymore, but when I used to, I've been in, like, one bar fight in my entire life. And that's about it. Is that... Is that the main concern, like for people that do go out and do the nightlife shit? 
is it just bar fights? I would or say that's it. Is it is and it that's theft? usually, you know, somebody got pissed because they didn't get into said bar and then they're taking it out on somebody. Or it's probably some, like, you know, personal drama, if it's even worse. But, like, uh, so my hometown where I'm from, uh, they were really heavy in, like, uh, money laundering and, like, drugs and stuff like that. And I never saw any of it. Because it was organized crime. <clears throat> so, you know, normal people wouldn't see it. When there are murders, what's generally the weapon of choice? How are people killing people? I think blunt objects or knives, definitely. Okay, so like getting beat to death. Yes, I would definitely say so. Or stabbed. Does that cross your mind when you go out, though? Getting stabbed, never. I mean, has that something that you've seen happen? No. Have you seen somebody get... Okay. I have seen people okay. dealing drugs. That's the only thing I accidentally passed. And it was... I remember it was just one time I was going to work really early in the morning. I passed two guys that was dealing drugs. And I was like walking past them with my headphones. And they were obviously... And I was too tired to give a shit. And they were thro- throwing something at me from behind. And I was like, what the fuck are they going going on about and then i still listening to my music and it's like what the fuck's wrong with and it's like oh wait oh oh and oh wait whatever and i just kept walking to my bus and just left but i know there was a guy in the area where i used to live that got shot like this the same week i moved there but it was also like it was also this kind of like you know gang things small gang things going on like nothing that you don't don't that you see if you're not kind of in that kind of scene, like me as a kind of average Joe, I never seen anything like it. How often do you even hear about it on the news? We had one guy that got stabbed by a guy that uh, escaped from a mental asylum a few years ago, which sounds super cliche. <laughs> but it's like then you can see there was like, this huge like thing with like you know flowers and stuff where the guy gets stabbed and stuff like that. So, but it's extremely rare that you see. There's so much gun violence and murder here that it doesn't even get on the news anymore. That's like the news doesn't insane. even bother talking about it because you just know, like where I grew up. Yeah. A couple people got shot today. Like that was just, <laughs> that's just yeah, insane. You know? So, but, but it's not, it's not yeah. the guns fault, right? It's the people owning the guns. <laughs> it's the, yeah. It's the people. <laughs> one of my one of my best friends is one of those people that will say it's not the gun's fault and i kind of understand where he's coming from but when you look at countries that don't have guns his stance is that if you want to kill somebody that you'll find a way to kill them if if you want to hurt somebody you'll find a way to hurt them but it just doesn't seem to be true because like you say, there's some stabbings because a knife is an easy thing to kill somebody with. Yeah. And it's, you can, you can pick you up in any like hardware store or some whatever. So, I mean, right. But you guys aren't having issues of multiple stabbings every day to the point where knives have to be regulated or taken off the streets. It's so creepy. Cause it's not, it's not that there's tons of shitty murderers out there 
it's that people are just so stupid that they think that that's the correct response to the situation. And it's so easy to, to own a gun or get a gun that it's just, I mean, you can legally, I think in most States, you can legally just keep a gun in your car. In my state, in Colorado, I can legally walk around carrying a gun anywhere that I want. That's insane. I don't have to have any sort of paperwork or license or anything. I I just, I own a gun and here it's legal to just walk around carrying it. Now that's gonna would make me so skittish to see just average people walking around carrying it. I'll be like, okay, now I'm in a real horror movie because any one of these could go off at any time. <laughs> yeah, there's people at the grocery store with their kids buying their groceries for the week with a pistol, like clipped to their jeans. It feels so unreal. <laughs> right. <laughs> No, definitely. I mean, I would. That's the problem, also, because if you're in that environment and everybody's having it around you, at a point you're gonna be like, I probably want one too, because defense, since everybody else is having one, so I mean, just in case, especially like in you know in your home or whatever. So I would totally like understand yeah, and that, it- and but that also in itself gets like the downward spiral of just everybody having a gun because everybody's yes. having a gun, which is like the big problem. I appreciate you taking time to talk to me. Yes, thank you for giving me the opportunity. It was really fun. I love hearing the differences between just different cultures and different countries. And people would, from the outside, they would just say, "Oh, look at these these two white dudes." <laughs> oh yeah, they're just two, <laughs> no, so, two <laughs> white dudes. Like they're the, they're the same person, <laughs> but your life where you live is completely different. Like your history, your background. We didn't even get into like the generic Scandinavian shit. We didn't talk about old Christianity or Vikings or any of that shit, but like that doesn't apply to me. So there's so much shit to talk about. If you want to do this again, Oh, absolutely. Down the road, let me know. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll talk again. Cool.